It's Tuesday, March the 23rd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, sanctions fly between East and West, and Saudis sue for peace in Yemen. First, the world in brief. America placed sanctions on two Chinese officials accused of human rights violations against Uyghurs, a Muslim minority, in Xinjiang. The European Union also announced sanctions on various people and entities for alleged human rights abuses. The list includes 11 people linked to last month's military coup in Myanmar, four Chinese officials accused of involvement in the internment of Uyghurs, and Eritrea's National Security Office. China responded by blacklisting 10 EU individuals and four institutions. Saudi Arabia proposed a ceasefire plan to end the war that has raged between Yemen's government, backed by a Saudi-led coalition, and Houthi rebels since 2014. It would reopen the airport at Sana'a, Yemen's capital, and allow food and fuel into the war-torn country through the port of Hodeidah. The rebels, who have recently increased attacks on Saudi oil sites, said the plan was, quote, nothing new. A fire swept through a Rohingya refugee camp near Cox's Bazar in Bangladesh, causing 20,000 to flee their homes. The fire was the third to hit the settlements in four days. The 34 camps in the region host nearly one million refugees, most of whom fled Myanmar in 2017 to escape persecution. A man with a rifle killed 10 people, including one police officer at a supermarket in Boulder, Colorado. Police arrested a suspect who was injured during the shooting. No motivation was cited. Almost a week earlier, another lone gunman had killed eight people at a series of massage parlors around Atlanta. Shares in Japanese car makers fell after a fire at a semiconductor factory near Tokyo on Friday, which is expected to stop production of chips for at least a month. Two-thirds of those made at the facility, owned by a subsidiary of Renesas Electronics, were destined for vehicles. A global shortage has forced several car makers to curb production in recent months. The New York Times reported that Joe Biden's economic team is putting together a $3 trillion spending plan to combat climate change, reduce inequality, fortify America's economy, and other such long-term goals. New taxes on corporations and the wealthy would offset the costs. Earlier this month, the administration steered $1.9 trillion in federal funds towards short-term recovery from the pandemic. And WeWork revealed a $3.2 billion loss for 2019 as the pandemic snuffed out demand for its short-term office rentals. The firm is currently looking to raise $1 billion from investors. It also hopes to rekindle a much-delayed IPO, this time via SPAC, a special-purpose acquisition company. Meanwhile, Baidu made a disappointing debut on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. China's dominant search engine raised $3.1 billion through a secondary listing, around $1 billion less than it had hoped. And now, here's today's agenda. Trading blows, Western sanctions, Chinese retaliation. The Biden administration, Britain, Canada and the European Union yesterday announced new rounds of sanctions on China over atrocities in Xinjiang, a rare coordinated message meant to exert pressure over human rights abuses. 
The Western government's sanctions target four senior officials implicated in the mass detention and forced labour of Uyghurs, freezing financial assets abroad and barring entities from doing business with them. China quickly showed it will retaliate in kind. It has already announced sanctions on five members of the European Parliament and Merics, a think tank, among others. China's sanctions bar its targets from entering the country and their affiliated entities from doing business with China. Some leaders in the EU will worry that the actions may jeopardise an investment treaty recently agreed on with China, yet to be ratified by the European Parliament. The practical effect of the sanctions may be limited, but the fallout could prove more than symbolic. Full steam ahead, America's pandemic economics. Today, Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, and Jerome Powell, the Chairman of the Federal Reserve, give the House of Representatives Committee on Financial Services their take on America's economic response to the pandemic. The world's largest economy is smaller than it was before COVID-19 struck and remains some 10 million jobs short of its pre-pandemic level. Both Ms. Yellen and Mr. Powell have shown willingness to keep stimulating the economy until the numbers get much better. At a press conference last week, Mr. Powell reinforced his commitment to ultra-loose monetary policy, while Ms. Yellen is turning her attention to a large infrastructure spending bill. With such ambitious efforts, the committee may question whether the American economy will soon overheat. Before long, it will have recovered its pre-pandemic level of output. Why, then, is so large a stimulus needed? Expect Ms. Yellen and Mr. Powell to offer a robust defense of their pandemic response. Back on speaking terms, Argentina and the IMF. Negotiations over repayment of an IMF loan worth $44 billion to Argentina resume today in Washington, D.C. The clock is ticking. Argentina is due to pay $3.6 billion this year and $20 billion in 2022. A rise in commodity prices will help, as will $3.5 billion that will come the country's way if, as expected, the IMF releases special drawing rights, an arcane financial instrument exchangeable for dollars. The fund wants reassurance that Argentina has a sustainable fiscal plan, but it has been unnerved by the government's shelving plans to cut its fiscal deficit further and reduce subsidies on utilities to appease voters before midterm elections in October. Today, Martin Guzman, the economy minister, is expected to stress Argentina's enthusiasm for a deal, but to suggest it be deferred until after the elections. Not exactly what the IMF wants to hear. Once more into the deadlock, Israel's election. As Israelis go to the polls today for the fourth time in less than two years, the country remains split. Benjamin Netanyahu, the embattled prime minister, has struggled to gain a majority for the parties loyal to him. Yet the fragmented and ideologically diverse opposition cannot settle on an alternative leader. The centrist Yesh Atid is expected to emerge as the second largest party, but other opposition parties are unlikely to support its leader, Yair Lapid, for prime minister. Like previous elections, this one is a referendum on Mr Netanyahu's future. Just 13 days later, witness testimony begins in his trial for bribery and fraud. He pleads innocence, but many expect him to try to pass a law granting himself immunity should he cobble together a coalition. A last-minute surge, fed by the success of Israel's rapid vaccination drive, could win that elusive majority. 
otherwise political deadlock and maybe even a fifth election beckon. Driving up the price, Baidu lists in Hong Kong. China's most popular search engine, Baidu, starts trading on Hong Kong's bourse today. The Beijing-based tech giant, already listed on the Nasdaq, has seen its share price triple in a year, propelling its market capitalization to $90 billion. Thanks to government censorship, Google is inaccessible in mainland China. That leaves Baidu as the unrivaled leader in Chinese online search. Last year, it boasted an average of 538 million monthly active users, nearly six times the combined total of its next three domestic rivals. Investors are salivating over Baidu's new business lines, in particular its, quote, intelligent driving division, which plans to roll out a nationwide fleet of robo-taxis powered by Apollo, its proprietary self-driving technology. It also wants to mass-produce, quote, intelligent electric vehicles. By 2035, China's government wants every other new car sold to be electric. The firm has international ambitions too. It recently received a permit to test self-driving cars in California. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Akira Kurosawa, who was born on this day in 1910. Human beings are unable to be honest with themselves about themselves. They cannot talk about themselves without embellishing. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.